Good morning. Today, we start our Advent sermon series in the book of John. The Word became flesh, grace and glory revealed. We'll be going through the first part of the first chapter of John. This is John's Christmas story. Uh, Christmas is the season of Jesus, right? We celebrate the birth of Jesus. We sing beautiful hymns about Jesus and the Virgin Mary, about Bethlehem. We set out nativity scenes so that we can remember Jesus's lowly birth, that he was born in a manger, that he's a human being born of Mary. These are all true. And it is right that we celebrate the birth and the coming of our Savior, this baby Jesus. But it's important for us to remember exactly who it is we worship. Jesus' criticism, or one of them, of the Samaritans, is that they worshiped what they did not know. And John tells us that he wrote his gospel so that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, and that Jesus is the Son of God. See, it's important for us to know who it is we worship, to really know who it is. So we'll be looking today at exactly how John begins to define Jesus. We may ask the question, what child is this? Let us pray before we read. Gracious Lord, you have made yourself known to us to all who live in your creation, to all who are a part of your creation. Though your glory be more than we can ever imagine, you have made yourself known to us. And as we wait to celebrate the coming of our Lord again, help us to understand exactly who our Savior is, that we might give you all the glory and all the praise. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hear the word of God from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. This ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we consider this question, what child is this? We do well to ask the Apostle John, the beloved disciple. This is the John who laid his head on the chest of his Savior at the Last Supper. The John that received the revelation of the apocalypse of the second coming of the Lord. This is the John the church history tells us lived late into the first century, watching over the congregations of God's people, the early church. John's gospel complements 
the other three Gospels. They're all about Jesus. They're all so that we might understand. But John writes in a particular way so that we might know right off the bat who Jesus is. Jesus is God. You see, in the early church, even then in the early church, at the very beginning, people were beginning to misunderstand who Jesus was. Some denied that Jesus was God. Some denied that Jesus was man. But it's important for us to know who Jesus really is, because who we worship is important. And what we understand about who we worship is important as well. This is John's Christmas story. All of the Gospels have a Christmas story. They all go back to the beginning of something. Right? Matthew connects all the way back to Abraham, this king that's born. He's the one to receive the promise of Abraham, right? Mark goes back to the prophecy of Isaiah and the one who will prepare the way for Jesus to come to start his earthly ministry. Luke, he goes back even farther than Matthew. Luke connects Jesus to Adam in his genealogy, all the way back to the book of Genesis. But John goes back to the very beginning. Before there was Adam, before there was anything, there was the Word. John tells us that this Word took on human flesh. This Word is Jesus. And then later on in his Gospel, he tells us that this Word, which is Jesus, is also the Son of God. Before we can celebrate the coming of the God-man, of God made flesh, we must first understand that Jesus is God. Because who we worship is important. And what we know of the one we worship is important as well. John starts off, and he says that the word was. In the beginning was the word. Here before anything was created, the word existed. We might do well to slow down. We may ask, the word was what? It's leaving us wanting an explanation, something else. The word was. But that's just it. The word just was. And as we think about this word, this simple word that we use all the time, we begin to understand something profound. Right? What kind of word is was? We're in elementary school. We learn that was is a being verb, right? Am, is, are, was, were, be, being, been. Did anybody else remember that? It's stuck in my head for I don't know when I learned it, but am, is, are, was, were, be, being, been. It's a being verb. It's a verb that means existing, being. And that's all you need to say. Because before there was anything in creation, the word was. So first we see that the word is eternal. That's our first point today. The word is eternal. It was from the very beginning. Verse 2 confirms this. He was in the beginning. There it is right there. John is pretty clear, right? He goes back and forth all throughout his gospel, making sure that we understand what he's trying to say. In the beginning was the word. He was in the beginning. If you didn't understand it the first way, 
Maybe we can understand it the second way, right? John's very clear about this. So we know first that the word is eternal and that the word was there in the beginning. We start to see that the word is also unmade. Verse 3 says, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. That means that the word can't be made, right? The word is eternal and unmade. There is nothing that was made without the word. So if there's nothing that was made without the word, the word can't be made. It's before all things were made. Now, why is it important to understand all of this? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's important that we understand this because this sets up a safety rail for us in understanding who our Savior is. We look at this baby Jesus, this adorable baby laid in a manger, a lowly birth, who's going to grow up and serve the poor, who's going to go up and do miracles, but understand God's word. He's human. But if we're to understand that Jesus is God in the flesh, we must first understand that Jesus is God. And we see that in the eternal nature of the word, in the uncreated nature of the word. If we lose sight of the fact that the word is eternal, we could start to agree with the Jehovah's Witness. The Jehovah's Witness agrees that Jesus is begotten. But they mean something completely different. They think of begotten in an earthly sense, as in a father begets a son. Well, there's creation involved in that. And so we have these safety rails here, right here in the book of John, when he says that the word was. It existed, unmade, before all created things. And so we say that Jesus is eternally begotten. And it's important for us to understand who Jesus is. The Mormons would say that Jesus was born of God the Father and a spiritual mother. Well, if we go back to the book of John, we see that that's not right either. The word was, eternal and unmade. Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons are not Christians. They do not worship Jesus. We need to understand who Jesus is, that Jesus is God. He is eternal. He is unmade. This is the word made flesh. Our next point is that the word is united. First, the word is eternal. Now the word is united. Verse 1 says that the word was God. If in the beginning was the word wasn't clear enough, this is an even more clear statement. There's not much uh, a different way to understand this, right? The word was God. Was the word God? Yes, the word was God. It's very clear, right? John wants to be clear that Jesus is God. It's a simple statement, but it helps us to understand that God in the flesh is first God. This babe of Mary that we celebrate is God in the flesh. This means that Jesus, the Word made flesh, 
In him resides the power of God. The power of God to do what he says he's going to do. God promised he would send a Messiah, someone to deliver his people. And here, in this baby laid in a manger, here the word made flesh. In him resides the power of God to deliver his people. The power to change a fallen world. The power to bring comfort and peace and hope. In this word resides the power of God, the purpose of God, the steadfast, rock-solid, never-failing surety of God to do as he says that he will do. What a comfort in this world of death and sickness and illness. Many of us see it all around us. Many of us experience it personally. But fear not, beloved. For in this baby resides the power of God, united because the word was God. And in him resides the full power of God. This is the comfort of our Savior, the power to do as he says. This also helps us with our orientation. Last week, we learned that thankfulness gives us the proper orientation as we worship God. So too does the power of God. This baby that's laid in a manger is human. Yes, this baby grows in understanding of scripture, just like we can grow and understand scripture. This baby grows up to feed the hungry, and to serve the poor, just like we can. Human in every way except without sin. Jesus is the best friend that you could ever have. Amen. But brothers and sisters, Jesus is not your buddy. He's not your pal. Jesus is God in the flesh with the full power of God to do what God says he will do. This is the Jesus that we worship. Jesus is God. If we are to understand that Jesus is the God-man, we do well to understand that he is God. You see, it's important for us to know who it is we worship. Jesus is God. First, we run into problems with Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and the way they understand Jesus. That Jesus is God, united, the very nature of God, helps us, now guards us from misunderstanding Jesus the way maybe Muslims do. The Muslim would say, yes, Jesus was real. Jesus was a great prophet. I agree with you. Maybe one of the greatest prophets but we understand something that they don't. That in this word made flesh, this baby Jesus is the power of God, the nature of God. The Jesus of the Jehovah's Witness, of the Mormons, the Muslims, even the Jesus of liberal theology that denies that Jesus is truly God. 
they have no reason for comfort, no reason for hope. If this baby Jesus, if within him is not the very nature of God, then what hope do we have? What hope do we have in a moral example? What hope do we have in a guy in the history that taught us something that was the greatest teacher? If he's not God, he's not here now with us. But Jesus is God, united in the very nature of God. And that sets up a safety rail so that we can understand who it is that we worship, what child this really is. So we see the eternal nature of the word, that the word is united, but the word is also distinct. John repeats everything. Remember in verse two, he repeats, he was in the beginning with God. He was in the beginning with God, right? Verse one says that, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Verse 2, making sure we got everything straight here. He was in the beginning. So we see in verse 2 the eternal nature, once again, of God. But we also start to see the distinct nature of Jesus. Right? We see all sorts of pronouns here, right? John's not afraid of pronouns. He was in the beginning. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything that was made. This word is distinct. Now, some people have a problem with understanding the word was with God and the word was God. The word was with God. The word was God. How can a person be with somebody and that somebody at the same time. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for human beings who are only human beings. That's true. But God is not a human being. Jesus is not merely a human being, right? Founded in the very nature of God is the divinity of Jesus, connected forever, eternally, God but also distinct. So I have a simple answer, lots of mystery, but a simple answer. The simple answer to how one can be with God and God at the same time is the Trinity. Now, I realize this took about 400 years or so for the church to really come to understand this, so we have some considering and some meditating to do ahead of us. But as we sit and understand how it could be that one could be with God and God at the same time, we start to understand the richness of God, the fullness of God, and how God is totally other. And at that point, we may think, how? How could God even be with us right now? He's so other. He's so different than we are. But that's the beauty of God. That's the beauty of the Trinity, is that this Word made flesh is the Son of God, and God's Word goes out. God's word is distinct in that person of the Son, the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. So just as comforting as it is to know that the power of God resides in Jesus Christ in his divine nature, the power of God is right here with us in the person of Jesus Christ, the distinct Son of God, one in nature, distinct in person, both united and distinct. 
That is how the Word can be with God and God. In understanding nature and person. It's two truths. When we come to Scripture, we would do well to set aside our experiences and preconceived notions just for a moment and see what Scripture is telling us. What is John saying? He's not asking us to question whether this is true. He's telling us it's true. United and yet distinct. If we allow Scripture to form us and to shape us, if we meditate on these truths, they will change us. If we don't, we start to try and box in Scripture. We start to try and make Scripture say what we want it to say, to fit what we believe. Praise be to God that his word is transformative. Praise be to God that even in this word is the power of God to transform. The word is eternal. The word is united. And the word is distinct. Emmanuel, God with us. What a comfort to know that this transcendent God has not left us to float adrift on our own, but has sent his only son into the world with the power to redeem his people, to do as he says he's going to do. This is who we worship. This is this child of Mary that we worship. Verse 3 gives us a summary of everything, right? Remember, verse 1 and verse 2, they're intertwined. Verse 3 also, you can see everything that we've talked about. The word is eternal. All things were made through him, right? Before there was anything, there was the word. It's eternal. Nothing was made without him that was made. The power of God to create out of nothing. And the word is distinct. All things were made with him, through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. Once again, John has wrapped up everything that he's talked about in one tidy verse so that we might know who it is that we worship, that Jesus is the Christ, and that Jesus, the Word made flesh, is the Son of God. This is so we might know who it is that we worship that we might know of the power of the word made flesh to transform, as the prophet Isaiah said, the thorn into the mighty cypress, the bramble into the blossoming myrtle, stony, cold hearts to hearts of flesh, hearts that can truly repent, that can truly repent and prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. Hearts that can truly turn to our God. We worship one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What child is this, brothers and sisters? This is the Son, the Messiah, our Savior. In defining Jesus for us this morning, John tells us that this word made flesh is eternal. This word made flesh is united, divine, the very nature of the Godhead. And this word is distinct. 
our Savior, God with us, Emmanuel. All praise be to him. Let's pray. Father, your glorious light has come into this world in a small child and one that we can relate to, that can relate to us and all temptations even better than we can understand. And as close and lovely and wonderful as our Savior is, let us also remember that Jesus is God with the power to save, the power to create, to recreate, and reveal. Strengthen our faith with your word today. Pierce stony hearts that we might turn and know that he is God. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let us now stand as we recite together the Nicene Creed that's printed in our bulletin. Beloved, in whom do you believe?